you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Philippians chapter 3. My subject this morning is simply turning the page. How you look at the beginning of a new year really begins with your overall perspective. I found some interesting quotes. Youth is when you're allowed to stay up late on New Year's Eve. Old age is when you're forced to stay up on New Year's Eve. An optimist says, an optimist stays up until midnight to see the new year come in. The pessimist stays up to make sure the old year leaves. Really does depend on your perspective. But regardless of where you are in life, regardless of what 2023 has been, 2024 is almost here. The start of a new year can help us focus on a number of things, new opportunities, new challenges, and the strength that we will need to meet those new opportunities and new challenges. We think about things we'd like to accomplish, different goals we might have, personal goals, financial goals, spiritual goals. The beginning of a new year, because it's kind of a turning of the calendar, is, a, is, is, is often a wonderful time to kick these things off. And yet, the truth is, we often stumble. We find many so-called New Year's resolutions only last a few weeks or months. And then we tend to fall back into familiar patterns. Yet my observation is not that the issue is we don't set goals. Many people do. It's not that we don't start new things. It's not that we don't institute the new habits and try to move forward in new directions. But I have to wonder today if the issue that many of us face and many in life face is the inability or refusal to turn the page. Are we trying to grab onto new opportunities and face new challenges and conquer new things in our lives while holding on to old ways and old attitudes? 2024 is a great time to start the new year off by turning the page, by putting some stuff behind you. Philippians chapter 3, familiar verses. I'll begin reading in verse number 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. As we prepare for a new year, I want to take a moment, a few moments, to list five areas where it really can be helpful for us as believers in this new year to turn the page. First thing we all need to realize, all of us, every single one of us, has an imperfect past. If you can look in the mirror and say that your past is perfect, you are either blind or a liar. 
or both. No one can look back on life without seeing things that they wish were not there. Everyone has blemishes in their past. Everyone's past is stained. Everyone's past has things they just assumed no one ever knew about. And the Apostle Paul was no different. Paul had an ugly past in persecuting the church. And my guess, he said, as he's writing this letter as one of the prison epistles, so he's under house arrest, writing to the church at Philippi, he had plenty of time to think about things, plenty of time to reflect on things that for many would have brought shame. But we also have to remember that prior to becoming a Christian, Paul was a model Jew. He says in another place earlier in this letter, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He could quote scripture better than anybody else in the synagogue, and in fact, he probably had perfect synagogue attendance. He had it going on. But all this didn't keep him from having a checkered past. You may have grown up in the church. You may have been involved in the church from a young age and continue to be. You may have even been a church leader or are one now. And all of us, no matter who you are, are dealing with an imperfect past. Part of what will help all of us to turn the page on your imperfect past is to understand why it's imperfect. In so many areas of our lives, we have this human idea that for some unknown reason that we can do better than God. The clear definition of sin, God, you have a seat, I got this, I can do better. We tell God we know better. We have to face that as the root cause of why we go into areas of our lives and try to do things our own way and then things fall apart instead of blaming others for the poor excuses that we've chosen to make. Our past is imperfect and that's true for everybody no matter who they are which leads to the second lesson I'd like to learn from the Apostle Paul today. You don't have to be a slave to your past. Somebody say thank you Jesus. Paul could have said look I put people in prison. I voted for the death penalty for many people in the church. There's no hope for me. And there's no way I could ever be used by God. I'm coming to the place in my life where I truly believe that when we tell God there's no way he can use us, he takes that as a personal challenge. He insisted that he would move on that he would press forward toward the goal. He was determined that Christ not only saved him and redeemed him, the church, he redeemed him for a reason. He redeemed the Apostle Paul for a purpose. And every single person listening to me today, God saved you and God redeemed you and God sanctifies you for a reason. Nothing in Paul's past could deter the Lord from using him and pursuing him in the future. Paul says in the verses we read, I have not yet attained. I have not made it. 
any Christian who tells you they have arrived has not. I am not perfect. I still got stuff to deal with. But no matter what I'm dealing with, I need to be able to come to the place in my life where as I see Jesus working in me, I will turn the page. He says, forgetting what is behind me. And the Greek word there for pressing means straining. Straining toward what's ahead. I want to be clear. Because Christians often get accused of this. Turning the page on your past doesn't mean ignoring it. You can't leave behind what you refuse to face or deal with. Forgetting what is behind is not absent-mindedness. When I walk into a room intending on doing something and then 10 seconds later forgot why I was there, that's absent-mindedness, which I deal with on a regular basis lately. But you can only turn the page on things that we are willing to face. You may have done things you wished you hadn't. And you may have not done things you wished you had. And Paul recognized this. But he refused to be a slave to things he could not change. And today, with Jesus' power working in our lives, we can move forward and not be a slave to the things that we can't change. And the greatest word and label for the things we can't change is the past. Nobody can change it. It is what it is. You don't have to be a slave to your past. The third lesson that Paul gives us today is that no matter what your current circumstances, you can turn the page to better days. When Paul was writing these words to the church at Philippi, he is not a young man. He's within a few years of when he will be martyred. And he is under house arrest. But he has had to this point an extremely fruitful and successful ministry by any standard. He could have had the attitude, you know what? I've put in my time. I'll just bide my time and when the end comes, I'll go to be with Jesus. He often said, and it's recorded, that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He had an imperfect past, but it had many years of tremendously fruitful ministry. One of the most successful church planters the church has ever known. But here in these comments, you don't hear any hint or talk of retirement. Regardless of what his past was like, nor what his presence consisted of, he was going to march on. I often get together with other pastors, and especially those pastors that I talk with that are older, they talk about, well, when do you plan to retire? And I remember one meeting I was in, this older pastor said, I'm never going to retire. I plan to die in the pulpit. Let me make it clear, that's not my plan. First of all, I think that's a horrible thing to do to a congregation, to be preaching the word of God and all of a sudden... Yeah, that, that, that's not my plan. But I understand the emotion. I understand the intent and the sentiment behind what he said. He had work to do. Your current situation is probably heavily influenced by your past. So even when we reconcile our past and we reconcile the mistakes, we can feel that we're being crippled. 
by the way others look at us. Anyone got anybody in their life that just won't let them go, won't let you go of your past? I know, nobody here. But when there are people in your life who insist that the only thing you should be known by is your past, I want you to tell them nonsense. We need to see that the days ahead of us, the way Jesus sees the days ahead of us. He doesn't see when he look at you. He doesn't see a second glance, hampered, forever limping, sometimes useful servant. He sees a mighty warrior. You are today a mighty warrior in the eyes of Jesus. And when he sees a mighty warrior, church, he's looking at you. Here was a guy who has a relationship with Christ that most could only dream about in the Apostle Paul. And yet he wanted more. He wanted more. It didn't matter that he was under house arrest. It didn't matter that he was confined. It didn't matter that he was getting older. The verses just before the ones we read really show his heart's desire. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Two phrases in those verses that just should grip us today. That I may know him. And how will that be accomplished? By any means. It doesn't matter how solid or how sordid your past is. Jesus has better days ahead for you. It doesn't matter how composed or how chaotic your present is. Now I know we live right now in a culture and a society that is completely composed, no confusion, everything is fine. You turn on the news and it's all sunshines and I can't even finish it. It can seem like it's chaotic out there, but within the power that the Holy Spirit gives his people, we have the ability to rise above that and enter any new season and any new year with a confidence and a power befitting a child of God. Which leads to point number four. Turning the page only happens intentionally by intentioned determined effort it doesn't happen by accident it doesn't simply materialize it will like any relationship require work now, our problem there's a word that doesn't seem to fit well with learning to live for Christ and serving him. And that word, sorry to say, church, convenience. Hmm. We all like things that are convenient, don't we? We don't mind working. We don't mind praying. We don't mind studying. We don't mind witnessing as long as when we do any of these things, it's convenient. But Paul says he's not just doing things when they're convenient. He's pressing or straining or basically putting himself out to reach ahead. Now, why would someone do that? 
Why would someone give all that effort? Why would someone intentionally go in a direction that's not convenient? Because Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it today. He'll be worth it tomorrow. He'll be worth it in 2025. He'll be worth it every day that the Lord gives us. We need to stop as God's people making excuses and, and not blame present realities. We need to demonstrate to ourselves and to the Lord that Jesus is worth it. He's worth my being in a circle of friends and they start looking at my Christian walk and looking down on me and calling me narrow-minded and, and just closed-minded and call me what you like. Jesus is Lord, church. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. Now, there's no magic wand, no special prayer that will instantly bring a deeper walk with the Lord. That takes work. You want peace that passes understanding? That means you're going to be in situations you don't understand. Because if you understood them, you wouldn't need a peace that passes all understanding. If you want strength in the midst of the storms, then guess what you need? Storms. You want more patience? I've told you about this. Don't ever pray for patience. Because the Bible's clear. Tribulation brings patience. So when you pray for patience, you're praying for trouble. And if you are in a place in your life and you have situations or people in your life that make you say, Lord, give me patience, then hallelujah, he's already answered your prayer. Paul was determined to move on from his past and from his present. You know, sometimes we think that it's only a checkered past or bad things in our past that hold us back from going forward. Sometimes the accomplishments and the successes that we have in the present can keep us living in the past as well. How often do I hear the phrase, ah, the good old days. The good old days are over. And God, I truly believe, has better days. But we're not going to get to the better days if we're carrying around the baggage of the good old days. Paul was determined. He was going to move forward. He was going to move on. He would move past his past and past the present to be able to go to what Christ had for him. Why was Paul so determined? The final lesson. Because the goal was worth it. It was worth the effort. Paul calls what he's pursuing in Philippians 3 a prize. I'm glad he doesn't call it a wage because a wage is something you earn. I'm glad he doesn't call it an award because an award is something you deserve. He calls it a prize. He might as well have called it a gift. Because that's what it is. Christ has a prize for you. That means, since he's got a prize for you, that church, you're a winner. Turn to someone and tell them, you're a winner. Yeah, that was so lame and not convincing. 
I think most people see the work involved in getting to the prize, but don't value and see the prize. They don't see it as worth it. You know, when there are things that we're pursuing and things that we're trying to accomplish, what's the best place to put a picture? It's usually on the refrigerator. And then we work for them. Seeing the prize helps us keep focus. Like we sang today, Jesus is coming soon. And we believe that he's going to come for a church that is focused on keeping his word and spreading his love. Most Christians don't do the work involved because we've lost our focus. So when you focus on Jesus and living for him, guess what? You win. In 2024, I want a better relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. In 2024, I want more of his power. In 2024, I'll probably need more of his strength. And that's just the reality of life. And Jesus wants all of these things as well. So I'm looking forward to turning the page on lukewarm thinking. I will turn the page on seeing myself in any way other than the way Jesus sees me. And he sees me as precious. He sees me as a winner. He sees me as his beloved. The scripture says he sees his people as the apple of his eye. Do you see yourself as that? The apple of God's eye. I've used the example before. We used to say many, many years ago, before the advent of cell phones, that I would tell people, God's got your picture in his wallet. But no one keeps pictures in their wallets anymore. So if you opened up God's cell phone, he's got your picture on his, on your picture on his camera roll. How can the world see the blessing and the value and the awesome gift of living a relationship that grows and grows and, and, and keeps growing with Jesus if we, his people, don't? How did Paul see his life, his whole life? Let's back up a few more verses in the book of Philippians chapter 3. This time I'll begin reading in verse number 7. But what things were gained to me, these things I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, which is from God by faith. Hallelujah. Now, I read that from the version of the Bible known as the New King James Version. There's a version of the Bible called the Message, which can really bring some of the words to life. So I'm going to read the same three verses, Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 to 9, in the Message. The very credentials these people are waving around us as something special, I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash, along with everything else, I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all these things I once thought were so important are gone from my life compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand. Everything I once thought I, I had going for me is insignificant. Dog done. Paul. 
I have dumped it all in the trash so that I can, could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I don't want some pretty inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. That's worth turning the page today, church. This is the banner of someone who is determined to turn the page. Now, for many, this has been a real difficult year. And I don't want to be insensitive. Turning the page is a process. Turning the page takes effort. And turning the page also will probably mean at some point that you are insistent with yourself while at the same time being sensitive with yourself. Turning the page is more than just changing undesirable behaviors or habits. It's going to the source of them, which is the attitudes. And like I said before, you can't turn a page on something you're not willing to look at and take hold of. It will require seeing everything you've accomplished the way Jesus sees it. Jesus sees the prize he has for you, and that prize is ahead of you not behind you today. You can't get the best Jesus wants of your life if you won't turn the page and look forward. Now, I've done it coming out of a parking space or maybe trying to maneuver into something, but how far can you get truly driving your car in reverse? You're you really can't get too far. And if you try that on the highway, let me know when you're going to try that. So I can avoid being on the highway at the same time. We need to go forward. Which means we need to look forward. We need to see where Jesus is taking us. Paul made a decision. I will forget those things that are behind. Not just the bad, but the good as well. He made a decision. I will press on for the things that Jesus has for me. I am firmly convinced for, the, for this church, Calvary Tabernacle Church of God, 2024 will be the best year we've ever had. And that's what I'm committed to. And the turning of a new year in the calendar gives us an opportunity to focus. But I always want to be practical. So let me suggest with the five lessons that Paul taught us, five areas that we can kind of focus on. First, turn the page on a lukewarm relationship with Jesus. Spend more time in prayer. Five more minutes in prayer is five more minutes with him. I'm not saying you have to go home and pray for the next three hours. I assure you, after church today and after our fellowship time, I'm going to go home and I'm going to fall asleep. And for those who will say, well, while I'm sleeping, I'm praying. No, you're not. You're sleeping. But turn the page on a relationship with Jesus that doesn't help you go forward. Second, and this is probably the tough one for many, turn the page on unforgiveness. Now, some have been hurt deeply. Some have caused hurt. Others just easily get hurt. Holding on to hurt 
doesn't accomplish anything. Extending forgiveness, starting with yourself. But pastor, the people you're asking me to forgive don't deserve it. You're probably right. They probably don't. But let me ask you something. Does anybody believe that you can, as a Christian, come before God and demand that he forgive you because you deserve it? No. But he forgives you and I anyway. And the Lord's Prayer, the one that we read from Matthew chapter 5, where he gives us a model prayer, he says, pray that to God, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. I've come to the place in my life where I've realized I don't have a right to withhold forgiveness from anyone any more than I have a right to demand it from God. Paul wasn't sitting in this house uh, prison in under house arrest saying, you know what, I'll get those Romans. Just wait till I get out of here. They're going to rue the day they put me under house arrest. No, in fact, this entire letter to the church at Philippi is filled with joy and optimism and confidence about what God can do. He even says over and over again in the fourth chapter to rejoice. Don't let bitterness and unforgiveness take root in your heart because then it rots your soul. Third, turn the page on that sin. What sin? That sin. And the minute I said that sin, the Holy Spirit brought something to your mind. We need to stop, as Christians, making excuses. Stop blaming it on what's the way I am. I'm sorry, Pastor. I have a temper. After all, you know, I'm Italian. I've heard that excuse about anger and a temper from every ethnic group possible. Stop blaming things on the people around you. Stop blaming it on the life around you. Stop accepting as unchangeable the things that Jesus wants to transform. And as I mentioned, the fourth thing, turn the page on handling things your way. It might have been a wonderful song that Mr. Sinatra sang, but my way is not gospel. Jesus' way is gospel. It could be not doing things your way when it comes to relationships. It could be not doing things your way when it comes to money. It could be not doing things your way when it comes to anything. But we want to do things God's way, and we strive to turn the page. And turning the page means anything we do we do with excellence. Many of you know, back in the fall of 2020, I made a decision to go back to school. I was going to attend Regent University's School of Divinity. I had many people question why. And the most common reason that I got from fellow ministers as to why was I doing this, they never said the words, but what they were inferring Aren't you too old for this? That's what they were inferring. So it was wonderful to me and a sign from God that the first class I took, that there was somebody in the class who was 20 years older than I was. And God bless her. 
and many can say, I've studied as much as, I've, as anybody has studied over the course of my ministry, but it's all been informal. I wanted to formalize it. And so I went back to school. And some are going to say, you know, grades don't matter. As long as I pass the classes, I, I, I get the credits and we go forward. I have determined in my heart, I'm not only going to get the knowledge, I'm going to demonstrate excellence to the best of my ability. I've completed 14 classes toward this degree, and every single class has been an A or an A minus. And my point there is not to get the applause, although it really did feel good, so thank you. But whenever we're doing anything, it need not be pursuing an a graduate degree. It could be something at home, in a relationship, on our job, in the church. Pursue it with excellence. Because in our world today, excellence is a rare thing. And it's rarely achieved without intentional effort. My wife can tell you those grades didn't come by my just sleeping on my textbooks. I've tried putting the textbooks up to my head and seeing if they'll just seep into my brain, but it doesn't work that way. And I've prayed the Lord, why can't it work that way? So I've had to read more in the last four years than I've ever read in my life. It takes effort, intentional effort to achieve excellence. Church, anyone can be average. Now, I'm not, now, I want to be clear here, because it can be often misunderstood. We need to pursue excellence, not perfection. If you're breathing here today, you will never be perfect. So all those who are not breathing, leave. If you're not breathing. But it takes work. So this is about effort, not about how things turn out. I give these classes my best effort. And how things turn out, they turn out. Now, I, I remember one class, and the professor graded my final paper in the class. And I got a good grade on it, but he made a comment at the end of it that he said he was trying to help me because it was one of the early classes, and he said, I want to help you be prepared for the other classes you will take so that you can be successful. I appreciate that encouragement. He said, I've noticed you tend to write in a very, and these are the words he used, a very pastoral way. Gee, what was your first clue? <laughs> so what was the help you're trying? He said, while that's important that we write in ways that people can understand, he wanted to encourage me to write in a more scholarly way. I went, oh, so say the same thing but use ten times more words that nobody understands. No, thank you. I will continue to be who I am. And if that costs me, I'm pursuing excellence in a way that is something everyone can enjoy. I want to encourage everyone in this church as a whole to show the people around us, to show our friends, to show our family, that we're always willing to turn the page in their life and always willing to help them turn the page in their life by demonstrating we're turning the page in our own lives. Don't let 2024 be the same old, same old. 
Make this year the best year yet in your walk with the Lord. Strain for it. This is the next chapter of a book. The next chapter of your walk with the Lord. The next chapter of your life. What do all these things, those words I used, have in common about referring to them as chapters? Church, turn the page. Turn the page. I know there are some who can't wait to turn the page. And when you have those years where so many wonderful things happen, there can be this tendency and this desire to kind of camp in 2023 for a while. But the best days in Jesus for you are ahead, not behind. God's got some amazing things for you in 2024. That's going to excite you, and it should probably concern you a little bit. He's got amazing challenges that you're going to overcome, which means he's got some strength you're going to need. But no matter what 2023 was like, no matter what the past 5, 10, 20 years have been like, the past is over. Let's, as God's people, turn the page. Stand with me, please. Last worship team, come back. We're going to sing an old hymn of the church that speaks to this very topic of turning the page. Now, when the page turned from 2022 to 2023, I had no idea I would be diagnosed as diabetic. I had no idea at the place I would be diagnosed diabetic as far as the numbers and my health. I have no idea what 2024 holds for me. I have no idea what the future holds. As I tell people at work when they ask what's going to happen tomorrow, I say my crystal ball's at the cleaners. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I 